welcome to another episode of the Drama New South Wales podcast. In today's episode, I speak to Daniel Kavanagh, Head of Drama at Newtown Performing Arts High School. He's a very experienced teacher when it comes to teaching verbatim theatre, one of the options that we have in studies of drama and theatre. In this episode, we talk about what verbatim theatre is like, how you can teach it to your students, and how to break down that rubric so that we know we're covering absolutely everything. I hope you enjoy today's episode. It might be the first of many covering the topics that we have in our syllabus. So sit back, relax and enjoy. All right, on today's episode, we have Daniel Kavanagh with us. Daniel Kavanagh is a drama educator and practitioner with over 25 years experience in the performing arts. He is an accomplished director, playwright and composer and performer. He has specialised in working with young people in the performing arts over the past 20 years and has been the artistic director of several key youth arts organisations in New South Wales, the most notable being founding member and artistic director of Tantrum Youth Arts. He's currently the head teacher of drama at Newtown High School of Performing Arts, where he continues to create and nurture links between the worlds of drama education and the performing arts industry. He is also someone who teaches verbatim and he joins us today to talk about the topic of verbatim theatre. Welcome, Dan. Hello, Sonia. How are you? Good, thank you. So how long have you been teaching verbatim theatre for? Um, I think, well, I think I've been teaching verbatim since it has been offered as um, a as an option for the HSC, as a topic. Um, I was working at uh, Hunter School of the Performing Arts for many years with uh, the Dr. Kath Lay, who was actually in the original production of Aftershocks. And so we thought that's a great uh, little piece of, um, of, of information we can use to help kind of launch us into the way that we taught um, what we were teaching. And so when we were looking for yeah. units of work, she said, well, I, I did that play. I was in that play. So we said, well, let's get it, you know, let's get those copies in there and get the kids started on it. And of course, Aftershocks is a play about the Newcastle earthquake and we were in Newcastle. So we jumped in then and I've been with it ever since. <laughs> Fun fact, I was in Newcastle during the Newcastle earthquake. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Um, so what do you think is the appeal of teaching verbatim theatre? It's one of the units on offer in the studies of drama and theatre. Why is it an appealing topic area and why do you think everyone should choose it, basically? Uh, well, I want everyone to do verbatim theatre, of course. Um, I think, look, I think it's a really, um, in its current form, because um, it has Oh, uh, it stayed on the uh, on the list of options, but it's kind of been tweaked a little bit over the years. In its current form, I think it's a really great unit to teach students about the social purpose of theatre. So, kind of looking at um, plays and, and and looking at the context and the relevance to, of them to their audience, but also about being able to structure a piece of theatre as well, because uh, now there's that co- a component in the unit about actually creating an, an original piece of verbatim theatre. And that's a really great way to get kids to engage, especially when you're kind of going from that study into a study of the GP when they are actually, you know, putting all of that into practice. So it's, mm. I kind of found that was a really nice way to tie the course together for me in terms of the content and then also the practice as well. So it was a practic- nice practical unit. Yeah, yeah. 
the rubric for this is quite interesting. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion around it. How would you say you approach the rubric? Um, So I like to kind of look at it in terms of a seesaw. So for me, I kind of look at the sense that you've got this idea of direct testimony from people um, who are interviewed and and the sense of authenticity on that side of the scale. And at the other end of the seesaw, you've got this um, notion of theatricality and audience engagement and having, you know, a a really engaging, interesting and evocative piece of theatre on that side. And um, when you're balancing those two things um, with each other, in the middle becomes that sense of the tension Mm. between how how much of the direct testimony and authenticity do you retain and how much do you shape that in order to make it a piece of um, engaging theatre and whereabouts does it stop being verbatim and does it start just being theatre? And I think that's a really nice visual metaphor, uh, particularly for students who, um, you know, who, who can look at all those key terms and say, look, I know what all, that, all of them mean individually, but trying to create a relationship between those, especially in an exam situation where they get thrown a question. Mm. Um, it's nice for them to be able to visualise that, that seesaw and go, right, so my play sits somewhere along this line and where do they tip that balance? And it also makes for a really nice um, dynamic discussion in the classroom too because all of the texts that they've got um, on the uh, list at the moment don't all necessarily fit in the same uh, place along that kind of continuum. So it's interesting no. to kind of debate, yeah, where they all, where they do all actually fit. Yeah, and I guess that's the great kind of debate with verbatim. It is always about that um, sweet middle place where you've got the right mix of actual verbatim dialogue, but it's not dead boring. It's mm. actually mm. a piece of theatre as well. And um, over the years, I think there has been quite a bit of debate, you know, um, I think massage verbatim claims and different things like that where people say it's been too much theater so it's a beautiful uh kind of automatic tension in that for kids to engage with in the essay from what you're saying Mm. yeah and also too like i mean i like to think of it because i you know i I come from a performing arts uh background as well as you know a, a teaching background so when i'm creating work or when i'm actually working with groups of of young people it's a really nice way and it's become a real trend actually um, in order to kind of bypass that um, kind of that awful hell of being stuck in a room with a group of people going, we've got to create something. What's mm. it going to be? How are we going to do it? Um, and verbatim theatre is a really great way to generate text. Mm. Um, and it's accessible for students too, because it's just, it's really simple and concrete. I interviewed someone, I wrote down what they said, and now let's have a look at it and start to manipulate it. And it really gets them focused in the process of, of creating work, which I think is really great. Mm. So on that, what kind of things do you make sure that you cover in your classroom teaching when you're approaching verbatim theatre? What, what activities and things are you covering with your students? Um, now, uh, I used to um, kind of look at performances of key scenes from the uh, plays that we studied themselves. But now that we have this framing uh, mechanism with this idea of students in, um, you know, in, involved in creating their original piece of work, I use that as the whole um, framework for the unit. So I, we kind of start off and I teach them all about the processes all the way through by giving them those small um, things to do. So the first thing is, hey, we're going to look at direct testimony. So we're going to learn about that by you going to, to, to pick some up and, and record mm-hmm. some. And so transcribing it, how do you transcribe that? How do we get all of the, you know, the all of those filler words, those ums and ahs and all those things and how do we um, notate that? 
okay, now, you know, now what do we do to shape that and all those things. So I kind of, it's a really nice way to frame all of that discussion. But I do kind of, there are terms I really like to make sure I look at. Um, one way I like to start, aside from that practical activity there, when I get kids to, um, normally in terms of the, just getting used to the transcription, I just go, hey, let's tell each other what we did on our holidays, record it on your iPhones and just write it down. And then I want you to tell me your partner's story and, and, and read it out and get it, you know, get it right, say it the way they said it. Um, and that's one great way in. Um, but verbatim itself is part of that big kind of, again, a continuum of reality theatre. So, you know, you look at things like the Laramie Project and it's not verbatim strictly because they use many different um, sources to get that text that they use. It mm. is a sense of docudrama. And I think it's... Um, that's something I like to do, first of all. So defining it. And so I have to talk about docudrama as a whole. Um, so, you know, what, what falls on each side of it. You know, even people that do autobiographical performances, um, when you look at, like, a lot of the stuff that Lally Katz creates, that in itself has yeah. elements of verbatim in it because she's writing things based on experiences that she's had. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it as well. So it's actually falling in the context of a much bigger um, wedge of um, contemporary theatrical practice. So that's nice because kids go, okay, people are doing this sort of stuff now mm. um, and they see the relevance of it. I do also like to have um, big conversations about community and what community is. Um, community can be defined in so many different ways and it has. it's really great to have that discussion in class with students about how many different communities are they a part of because mm. they go, well, there's my peer group, there's our year group, there's us as students, there's the whole school, there's um, our suburb where the school is, our community where the school is. There are all people in Australia who are our age. There are, you know, families who fit into the same kind of um, socioeconomic background as us. And once they start um, looking at the surface, it really kind of opens that up in terms of what a community really is. And the other thing, and this is something that I learned from Kate Gall, who was, um, who I've had a bit of a chance to have a bit of a word with about this unit in the history of my teaching of it, um, who directed, she directed the first production, I think the first Australian production of the Laramie Project. Mm. Um, this sense of social purpose, it was a term that she used in that conversation I had with her and I've really held on to it. What is the social purpose of this piece of theatre? Why does it exist? And um, it's a really great way to get students to um, think about the reason why they're creating any of the work they create. And of course, when they springboard into the GP, you know, normally afterwards, they're thinking about, well, why? The community involvement is something that's so inherent to verbatim theatre and the sense that it's a piece of work that has a purpose for a community in order to give a voice to people who haven't had a voice before or to um, examine um, an event that happened that people may not have perspectives about. And, uh, and I think that's... That's probably where I start, um, aside from the mechanics of the here's how we do it, let's sit down and start transcribing. I always make sure that I cover those particular kind of concepts as well. Mm. I love that idea of kind of bringing almost a social responsibility or awareness to this with what you were saying um, by, uh, that when you spoke to Kate Gall. Um, mm. I love those moments when, as teachers, it's more than just the HSC. We're embedding, yeah. we're embedding a real life experience and lesson mm. in there and kind of helping them expand beyond their, their normal um, comprehension and circles of uh, influence. They're really yeah. pushing it. And I think verbatim really has a unique opportunity to offer that level of empathy in, in a really profound way as well. 
Absolutely. And also it's a, it's a really great opportunity for us as teachers, I think, to create an authentic assessment. Mm. You know, we're always looking at authenticity in the classroom and authentic assessment and deep learning. And here's a great example of that. And it's, it's, it's right there in the syllabus for us to just pick up and run with. And, and our authenticity is something that kind of, you know, permeates through all aspects of the unit. So I think it's, it's great. And when they, when they create their own pieces of work, they're just so proud and they feel such ownership of it. Yeah. Uh, and then I go, well, how do you, f- yeah, there you go. And let's have a look at the plays that we're studying and, and, and think about the people in those communities that are being, um, that are being kind of portrayed on stage there and um, it makes a really great connection between them and the work that they study because quite often in drama you look at a play and it's kind of in this other world so you've got the play text you've got the image on the front of the play and you've got the name of the playwright but there's not this sense that it exists in actual time and space Mm. so when they make their own piece of theatre they go well you know what I can see what it was like when Alana Valentine was speaking to those women I understand why it was so important and I think that's really great too um, yeah. and, and it keeps keeps the kids engaged, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that, so the the rubric and the um, kind of instructions for this unit is that there is a focus on creating an original piece of verbatim theatre. How do you kind of manage that performance component and how involved, I guess, should it be? Because I think the balance for that is, you know, a lot of teachers find that quite difficult. Yeah, look, I mean, ultimately, you've still, we're still assessing these students in their ability to write reflectively about it. So that is definitely a major part of it. But I think they need, they need a, a significant uh, performative experience. So there is a juggling act, I think, in terms of how much time you devote to it. Um, in my current situation with the students that I have um, year after year, I kind of go, you know what, let's look at about 10 minutes. 10 minutes worth of a performative work because any more than that, and it, be, it does become another beast. They kind of start doing mm. much, much more research and, and editing becomes too hard. And if you're looking at something that's only five minutes, well, is that significant enough? Um, so I kind of somewhere between five and 10, they do need to be able to write about their own piece of work, but it shouldn't be overwhelmingly the entire unit. And, um, and there's so much to talk about. You can run out of um, time if you devote so much time to that. Yeah, because they still are discussing two plays as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was, I was going to say what we do is we kind of look at the plays in relation to the work they're creating. So we look at the conventions that are being used in the plays that I teach and we get the students to kind of go, well, I noticed this convention here and this convention here, so we're trying that out in ours. So we're kind of looking at which of those two plays is influencing us a bit more and then maybe thinking about why uh, that particular play is influencing them more. And then it gives them a kind of nice counterpoint in terms of being able to integrate all of that knowledge together. So when they're writing experientially, they kind of can hit both their text plus something they did all in the one paragraph, you know, should they choose to write like that, yeah. So do you do the the kind of practical creation of a piece of verbatim first with the students and then the texts or do you just kind of mix it all in together? I kind of mix it in together. So I kind of look at the creation of their work in, I kind of plan it out. So I go, I'm the producer. So if I'm going to get this work on, I need to break it up. So I kind of give it to them in small chunks. So they have, a, you know, maybe a week to think about what they want to do and then a week to get their testimony done and then tra- transcribed. And we like to use Google Docs for that, you know, God bless Google Docs. Um, so they can collaborate online to get it done. And then 
uh, we, you know, we go through the whole process of, you know, shaping it, getting it up on its feet, trying things out, assigning roles and character, and all of that kind of goes through. And during that process, I introduce sections from the plays as well. Mm. Um, so depending on, and I, I've been asked this a lot. So if, if you feel that your kids aren't going to read these plays without you there, then absolutely take the time to read them in class. That's absolutely mm. important. But if you know that your kids are engaged enough to be able to go off and do that and you don't have to spend class time doing it, then you can spend more class time doing practical work with those plays. Um, we like to unpack the very opening uh, section of Beyond the Neck because it's quite challenging and it's very difficult to kind of understand how it feels in the room when they're reading it um, because of the way that the text is presented. So mm. we like to do that in class. Um, so I might do that and then I say, right now, I need you guys to go off and by next week, we'll come back to class again and make sure you've read it over the weekend. I guess the advantage of reading in class is you've got that ability to have that shared um, experience it so they can react to moments together as a class and you can unpack things right there and then so look at it it's a preference in terms of how you want to do that but you've got to then kind of go well if I'm going to take the time to do that I need to not do a few of the other things I would like to do and that in itself and quite often people ask me for my program and I'm like but will my program suit your kids like is the way I've approached this unit going to work with the kids you've got and you really do need to kind of tailor it um, because um, you could spend nearly half the term reading those texts in class, depending on what kind of kids you've got. Um, yeah. So you've got to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. So just back to the practical component with the creation of their own piece, mm -hmm. students are basically being asked to conduct interviews. What kind of concerns do you think there are around them engaging with community members outside of class in regards to that? Mm, well, you know, like, I mean, depending on the uh, the culture at your school, it might be something you might need to run by um, your senior exec. Um, they, ours kind of go, yeah, that's fine. Off you go. That's great. Um, quite often you get stuff that's based around school because sometimes students are like, well, look, we're just together here at this time. We need to do something that involves our school community. So we'll be talking to teachers. We'll be talking to uh, the librarian. We'll be talking to other students um, about maybe maybe an event that occurred. Uh, within the school, quite often they talk to their parents. And um, I had a wonderful piece that a group of my girls all had mothers that all were involved in a protest um, at Sydney Uni when they were girls. And these girls in my class went back and interviewed all their mums about that and then kind of staged the protest and, and had this big discussion. So it was like a history lesson for me. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I never knew this went on. I um, love that. So <laughs> it was, and it was this great, this great moment that they just went, oh, we know what we're doing. We've got it. So the, you've got that. But the, the thing I think is a real concern and what it's a great opportunity to do is to really talk kids through the ethics I think Alana Valentine says a lot about it in a lot of interviews that have been done with her. I know that there, there's a lot of interview material of hers on Currency Press, where she talks about some of the texts that she's created um, and the ethics around it. And she kind of talks about how she's got a responsibility mm. to the people that she speaks with. So I get my students to compose a, like a release form and they need to go through a checklist of questions they need to ask the, the people that they're interviewing when they press um, record on that, uh, on that thing. So rather than having it written out, they have a recorded um, conversation with the person beforehand when they say, yes, I am aware that you're using this for a piece of work at school, um, either yes or no, I, you know, I don't mind you naming me or I would prefer to be anonymous um, and all of that sort of stuff. And we kind of look at the responsibility that the theatre makers have to uh, the people that they speak to through that process there. So again, it's a really great way to 
hit a few things at once. So to be practical and um, and go through the mechanics of the process, but then also address some of the thematic and um, and and concerns of the rubric itself. Yeah, great. I love that you've got them actually having that as a conversation rather than just as a written document because it also you know, it's not something that can just not be in the front of their minds. It places mm. them as they're about to interview them. It really reminds them, yes, I have a responsibility with this and there are ethics surrounding this interview that I have with this person. Yeah. And I've approached that a couple of ways over the years. Some classes I let them um, negotiate the questions in their groups or other times we do it as a whole class and we come up with one uh, set of questions that we all agree on. Um, but even like either way, um, I like to let the kids kind of take a little bit of a driver's seat by that point. So I like to um, give them the opportunity to be in charge of that. Like they of course come and check in with me so that I go, yep, you're right with those. Or have you thought about this? But it's nice for them to feel as though they're in charge of it. Um, and then it's, it's really empowering then. And then they kind of, they feel, they feel a real sense of loyalty to the people that they're speaking to because they want to be sensitive to them and they want to make sure they protect their words. So when they come into the editing uh, section of it, they kind of go, no, 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 like, oh, you know, my mum would be really angry if she knew that we, um, we, we cut that bit out and we kept that bit there. So that then sparks all those interesting conversations mm. that make it a really dynamic process. Yeah. What two texts do you teach and how did you decide on which of those texts you're going to be teaching? So originally, of course, I taught Laramie because it kind of is the kind of blueprint for contemporary docudrama. So I taught that and I taught Aftershocks because I lived in Newcastle, like I said before. And it's interesting that when they kind of moved off the topic and, you know, of course, Laramie now is in a, in a different unit. And so we teach it in a different way with certain classes. Um, so we did that thing because I was at a performing arts high school and we had a lot of kids who were very kind of engaged. We just handed out all the texts. We said, which ones of these do you find the most interesting? Um, and which ones would you um, be interested in learning about? And they kind of gave us their feedback and we took that in under, you know, consideration. Um, and look, so when there was that change in, in the texts, we ended up going, okay, well, look, Parramatta Girls is something that our kids felt very strongly about in terms of an emotional response to that. Mm. And I thought, well, great. I want to harness that. So I've been teaching that one ever since it was on uh, the list. And then also, too, we actually looked at teaching Beyond the Neck because our students found it so interesting and challenging because it's not really verbatim theatre and the problematic nature of it not really looking like a piece of verbatim in the way that some of the other texts do gave them a really great way to form a thesis in terms of responding. So they were able to say, well, you know, it kind of looks and smells like verbatim theatre, but there's not really direct testimony in there. So is it? And that that was really great because they really, they love to latch onto stuff like that when things are a bit controversial. And of course, Tom Holloway's wonderful, um, his uh, introduction at the beginning of the play, the forward, he kind of says, oh, look, I hate verbatim theatre because it's not very theatrical and I find it boring. So the kids <laughs> are like, what? What do you mean? So it's kind of, it's great to have that drama, of course, when they um, when they say, how can you be kids? Yeah, so um, that that's lovely too. So there is a sense of them once again looking at the context um, and the social purpose. Um, and when they kind of look at those two plays together, they kind of go, well, you know, the spirit of verbatim is there. Mm -hmm. And um, even in terms of Alana Valentine, considering that she doesn't really write in a strict verbatim form either, and she doesn't, but she has a lot, there's a lot more sense there that um, 
there is a lot more direct testimony. Of course, Tom Holloway had a very good reason as to why he didn't want direct testimony in his play. And we explore that in class. Um, but I do, like, I mean, I'm flirting with the idea of maybe looking, picking up embers now in terms of our context and um, maybe framing it around, um, you know, the bushfires we've had this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe looking at it in terms of how um, it relates to the last time around there was a major bushfire event. And again, that's this idea of the social purpose of theatre, so kids can understand that. But of course, last year when I taught Beyond the Neck, we had the Christchurch um, massacre and the oh, kids yeah. were really interested in linking the fact that Jacinda Ardern and the New Zealand media were, were like, well, we're not going to talk about the guy that did this. We're going to keep him out of it. We're going to talk about the people that it happened to. And there is a sense that Tom Holloway doesn't want to name Martin Bryant in his play. He doesn't want to make it about him. He wants to make mm. it about the effects of grief mm. and how that event brought up other things with people. And I think that's what makes it a really complex play to teach, mm. um, but a really rewarding one when the kids get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to reread all, all of the texts again over this uh, little next break before we've got to launch into again and I will probably move I, I might stay I don't know but um I think you've got to have you've got to have a connection to the text that you teach otherwise if you don't kind of understand why it fits then it's probably best for you to look at something that you understand because the kids are going to ask you questions all through and you're the person who's responsible for kind of communicating it to them and um the, the other resource that I, I continually go back and I read again and again is is that uh, that book uh, verbatim staging memory and community which Paul Brown who um, who you know um, kind of put aftershocks together he actually kind of edited that book as well and that's available through currency press and it's got such great material it's got wonderful essays it's got fantastic chapters about all of the components of it and it's also got some really great workshop activities that i've kind of nicked bits and pieces of and i kind of use those as well so yeah once upon a yeah. time i used to teach verbatim and that book changed <laughs> how I taught it. <laughs> it's it, it really it was it's it's so good to have just like a, a resource that's simple that you can just grab as opposed to doing all that research and all those man hours of looking things up. Mm. Um, and over the years, I've grabbed bits and pieces of stuff from all over the place. But I do find uh, the chapter in there about the history, the short history of Abatum Theatre, and also his introduction to Aftershocks. I still give that out to kids as yeah. part of the um, the assigned reading that they do as part of the the topic as well. When students write about this, what kind of experiences, we've already touched on this a little bit, but what kind of experiences should they be drawing on? Is it only the experiences with the self-devised piece that they make or is it also drawing on the text themselves? What, like, what experiences mm -hmm. are they drawing on? I, I would say I encourage my students to think of it in terms of like you, you're cutting cut your essay into three parts and you've got you've got it you've got to say that you've got to, you've got to talk about a deep knowledge of both the texts so you've got to have some examples from the plays themselves and you've got to frame that in terms of the way you looked at a scene in class or a performance that someone else in class did that you noticed something or how you applied that to your performance. But you do need to talk about all three. In a way, your own performance becomes like a third play because it really is, you've got to show that you understand the unit of work through what you did. Um, but I, I've got two different approaches. The first one is I get kids to integrate all of their experience. So I go, talk to me about which of the plays 
um, influence that moment that you did there in your play or influence the way that you approach this. And that, that's kind of integrating everything through. And kids who are stronger writers, if you've got kids who are doing extension English and all that, they want to write like that. They want to kind of break that mold. They don't like scaffolds. They yeah. like to just write as it comes to them. But then if you've got kids who are kind of in the C range moving to a B range um, and, you know, B range answers, you can see how hard teachers work sometimes to get them. Um, it's all about scaffolding and, and, giving kids the assurance that yes, if you can write an essay about this play, you can write an essay, um, you, know, you can write a, a paragraph about this one, a paragraph about the other play and a paragraph about yours. And then you are showing us that you've got knowledge of all those things. You're okay. You don't have to, um, you don't have to write these integrated uh, essays where you've got bits and pieces coming in from all over the place. And that's, that's why I have that conversation with kids just about how their brains work. So I don't give them scaffolds as such. Um, and say, you all must write like this because, um, you know, I, I don't have to, I don't need to. But I do understand that um, teachers quite often have students, they go, if I can give them some sort of a framework to use, then I know that they're going to do at least this well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I often say to my kids, if you listen to me and do what I ask you to do and read your assessment tasks, you will definitely get a B without breaking a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you've read the plays, if you've read them, then we will never ask you to write an essay about a play you haven't read. Um, so yeah. So sometimes there's a bit of that, but I, yeah, I kind of do both. Um, but as long as, as long as they think about because sometimes they just want to write all about their own work and then you lose everything else. And I think yeah. just making sure that you give them enough practice to hit those other two things as well. Um, I definitely think that the unit of work, like, I mean, if a kid forgets to write about their own play, and one of mine came up to me last year and she said, oh, I wrote so much about Paramount for Girls, I forgot to talk about ours. I was like, oh, you deal. Um, but we, um, I think you've got you've to go, you, these plays have been put there for a reason. You've got to show that you have a deep knowledge of them. They are your you know they're your roadmap to the work you created so don't just talk all about yours like talk about what influenced you um and moments that were successful in both yeah yeah so in terms of the balance then we really are looking for there to be equal balance between the text and their own experience yeah and i, I was asked um in in a in, you know in from some other teachers like like a week or so ago like how like how many quotes do they need and I was like, well, we need to unpack the term quotes because in drama, a quote is not that line of dialogue from a play. It can be if you're describing a moment, but a, a quote in drama is describing what was going on on stage. Yeah. And so, and we're always trying to get kids to write evocatively, regardless of what topic they're doing. So they've got to talk about a moment from the play they studied. And then if they go, and this is what I took from that, and this is how I used it in mine then you've got a really nice sense of balance in a verbatim essay. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, I think it's reassuring for teachers as well that you, we, ideally we would love our students in this topic area to be able to have that integration of, mm. you know, their own work in the text and how it all kind of works in relationship with one another. But mm. I think it was also reassuring to hear you say, look, for, the, for some of these kids, they're really literally going to have to do like bang a paragraph on one text, then a paragraph mm. on another, and then a paragraph on their own work. Mm. Um, so depending on, I guess, which students you have, it might look different for each of your students and it's not worth doing this kind of like, it has to be integrated. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I've given kids full marks for essays that have not been integrated. It's the, it's the deep knowledge. It's demonstrating you understand what you're talking about. Um, and, and, and with this topic, it doesn't matter what topic you're studying. 
the examiners want to see that you have a deep knowledge of the content and you've got a point of view about it. And I think that's what's interesting too. And so we spend a lot of time on our introductions because your introduction is where you go, well, here's, here's what verbatim theater is and here's how it's framed. And now all my body paragraphs, I can give you my specific things I did that prove that I know what I'm talking about and that I, that I believe this. Um, and so I think most of the plays in its current form now, most of the play, I think all of them really in a way, all plays in the verbatim thing kind of challenge the notion of what verbatim theatre really is because they're all bringing other framing devices and other things with, into, the, into the mix. So it's, it's, verbatim's come a really long way since Aftershocks, which when you go back and look at it now, it's not very theatrical at all. Yeah. And reading, reading Aftershocks in class is not much fun. Um, and it's just big chunks of dialogue. So, like, I mean, I still, I still talk about it with kids in class because I lived it. Um, and I still kind of show them little sections of the script and they go, there's just huge chunks. It's just chunks. And I'm like, absolutely. But look at what's, what the playwrights have been doing with, with those chunks to make it more theatrical. And Kate Gall also, because, um, you know, she's wonderful and I, uh, everything she says I remember vividly. Um, she <laughs> also said that you've got this kind of funnel and you take all that testimony and you take all that authenticity and you've got to funnel it through the filter of drama, of, of theatre to actually, you know, communicate that to the audience. And so there's got to be some manipulation there. Um, and I think all the playwrights um, talk about that. The idea of just raw testimony is not good. Um, and I've had kids do that thing where they go, we're going to do a completely authentic piece of verbatim. We're not going to edit stuff and we're going to just speak the words like that. And then they perform it for you and, and the class goes, that was okay. That was really authentic. And they say, yeah, but did you enjoy it? I went, no, no, it wasn't very interesting. So it's, it's great to kind of have those, again, authentic discussions with kids about, you know, that seesaw, the tension between, and I think tension's a big word. I've got it written in huge letters up on the wall. So they're always getting the tension between authenticity and theatricality. <laughs> like, so they, that's, it kind of frames everything we talk about. People yeah. struggle to have empathy for the other side of politics or the other side of perspectives um, that they don't themselves hold. And it is that ability to be able to take genuine and real stories and place them in a way that is going to capture the attention or the empathy of somebody who has a different perspective to that, that is mm, so mm. necessary and needed. So how powerful that verbatim gives them that kind of, opportunity to hone those skills in that way mm. oh i couldn't agree more and, uh, and the other thing also is the fact that you know they don't have to construct dialogue they don't have to like i mean they, they yeah. can shape things but they have a um they have you know a, 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 a an ability to take someone's words and give that to a wider audience so it's really like it's it's communication at its most simple it's, it's this person said this thing and you all need to hear it you people that don't know and I think that's what's really lovely about, you know, framing it in the social purpose of what these plays are all about. And, and it doesn't take, like, I mean, it's great that three out of four of them are Australian. Um, it's great that they can look these events up and they, with, that, with very little research, with very little Googling, they can find the information and the news stories and, and the media events about what actually happened. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, um, the tour that's available online that, uh, for, of the, the Parramatta Girls Home where they actually went back, there's, you know, that 60 Minutes episode with the reunion with the girls. So the kids are all like, oh, those, that's that person, that's that person. Like, I, I now see the place of this in the real world that I live in, not just the theatre. Because sometimes, 
kids kind of go, well, okay, theatre's great and we love it and it's really exciting, but it exists in that dark room. Um, and once we leave the theatre, we're back in the world again. And I think this topic in particular connects our world with, you know, the communicative art of theatre. Yeah, you've almost convinced me to go back to <laughs> Well, yeah, like preparing for this uh, conversation, I'm actually convincing myself to change my texts with, you know, as a drama teacher, you don't want to do any extra work once you've got things set up. So, um, yeah, look, I think, I think it is a really dynamic unit. Um, I, I, I wish more people would do it. Um, it's, it's gaining popularity. I think it's one of the bigger ones. Um, but I think a lot of people... Um, are afraid to they go oh i know this play i get this play i'm going to stick with this unit because i know it um but i think the longer you teach the more you look for ways to make your teaching more engaging for you Uh, and i think um you know if people are looking at a unit or changing a unit um awesome well is there anything else you want to say about verbatim theater oh um I enjoy teaching verbatim more than I, um, more than any of the other units that I teach. Um, and that's because it's a unit that I'm comfortable with. So my suggestion, even if you're just listening to this and thinking, Oh, look, I don't know enough about verbatim, you know, go out and look it up and, and research it, read the plays. That's great. But even if you prefer to stay with the units that you're doing, cause you think they're more accessible, that's fine too. But I think the main thing is you've got to be comfortable with what you're teaching the kids. So you've got to know the play well enough. And if you don't get a play or you're having trouble with it or you're finding it difficult to talk about, then that's a clear indication that, that, that maybe that's not you know, the thing for you. And that's why I, 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 I steered away from, um, from talking with terrorists. I was like, oh, I'm not, this to me is a little bit, a little bit more conventional, I would say. And I thought, you know, I want to really, I want to, you know, look at the challenge. Um, so I had, to, I had to do a lot of homework on Beyond the Neck before I was comfortable teaching that, but I did it. Yeah. And now I, now I feel... Um, that I've got my head around it. And it only takes maybe one or two goes of teaching the unit before you go, you know what, I've really got this. And also too, making sure that you're, um, when you're programming, that you're spending the time reflecting because of course the best drama lessons happen when you, you know, come up with something on the fly. So I, I've been doing a lot of that in the last couple of years too, because we changed all of our formatting at our school. And it was a great opportunity for us to go, well, if I'm going to write this down again, I've got to make sure it's really good. And so, uh, so that, that's a really great thing too, I think, for any of the units that you teach is making sure you're reflecting on the teaching as you go through because it strengthens it the next time around. All right. Thank you so much for your wisdom today, Dan, on oh. uh, verbatim theatre. I know many teachers out there who are either thinking about it or have started teaching this unit and they needed just a little bit more direction or fleshing out of what was going on in this unit. So we really appreciate you coming on today and sharing that wisdom with us. No worries. All right. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Another episode from Drama New South Wales. We hope you found today's episode helpful. It will be the first of many as we look at the different options available to us in the syllabus and what we teach our students. As usual, Drama New South Wales loves our community, so please get in touch with us via Instagram or Facebook to let us know what you think of this episode and what you'd like to see from us in the future. Thank you for all your support and we look forward to producing even more over the next coming weeks and months.